0: Welcome to Challenging Behaviors. Uh, I'm Jack, and this episode is an absolute doozy. Uh, I was very lucky in being able to talk to RJ Mitty, um, who's known for his work in Breaking Bad, and he's done lots of other things, uh, lots of activism, lots of campaigning. Um, and it was it was an amazing opportunity to talk to him. So a huge thanks to Neda, his agent, who made it all happen, was so keen for him to do it. Uh, that was incredible, Um, he's very eloquent and very thoughtful about what he's saying and at times it just made me, uh, I was left speechless quite a lot of the time and I'm a bit worried it made me look a bit like a chump, like (laughs) like, like I didn't know what to say but it's just he just blew my mind sometimes, so um, settle in. Uh, Yeah and we recorded the interview on Skype so you may hear some kind of Skypey noises, or sometimes it, I think there was one brief moment where it kind of slightly lagged, um, but you get the gist of what he was uh, saying, which is why I didn't want to cut it out, um, and yeah, it was incredible, I'm uh, buzzing, i I've literally just finished it, so I'm still kind of like, whoa, this just happened, um, so yeah, uh, I'll give you all the usual contact deets at the end, uh, so enjoy, or don't. Do what you want, even without Tom. The catchphrase: "Live sorrow, live strong." No. Yeah, so it's uh, as as loose as we can possibly be. Uh, I've even got like candles for the occasion. Made it nice and classy. And- getting all romantic on me, huh? yeah. uh, Brilliant. So, uh, I'm just wondering how you, like, originally kind of first got into acting uh, and we'll kind of le- use that as a... Uh, uh,
1: stepping stone. Stepping yeah, stone, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, So, I, I started acting um, when I was around 12 years old. My little sister was actually cast at a water park. An agent saw her and wanted to use her for a luso Ball campaign. And through that, that's what brought us to LA. I um and if you're in LA and you don't go to school, you don't join a gang and you don't act. That's about it. Yeah. Um. So um. I I just started to meet, try to do it to meet kids my own age and to, to make some money and uh about. Through that, I was working on about sixteen different projects as an extra. Oh wow. So Hannah Montana, Everybody H. Chris, Weed, Seventh Heaven. Um, all within the first six months of me kind of starting um, acting. And through that, I had a, an agent and a manager, and they ended up hearing about the casting call for Breaking Bad, that they were looking for actors with disabilities. And we uh, we really, at the time, didn't really talk or promote my, my cerebral palsy. Mm-hmm. And um, when it came down to it, ended up working out uh, very well. <laughs> um, I went in for the audition. I went in five times, uh, four in Los Angeles and once in New Mexico. And I mean, the rest is history. It kind of put me on a path working for Breaking Bad uh, from 13 to 20, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it just changed my life. I'm 26 now and still still running mm-hmm. and Filming and doing all kinds of craziness and never a dull moment. Uh,
0: so when you like first saw that uh that casting call looking for people with disabilities, is that something you thought you would like ever really see for what I don't know how if it was like everyone's gonna be like this is gonna you know, be huge the, at the time or the, the
1: thing with the thing with me and in in like seeing that casting call or just I didn't really I never related with people with disabilities I never really felt like I was categorized in that that world that 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 type of blanket
0: yeah
1: uh, it wasn't something that like I don't really think anyone with a disability goes oh I, I fit in in this community or this is my my thing I think it just they they feel that it's part of the societal thing to find yourselves in communities but that's the label that has been put on the community. So I think it's just kind of was like never a thought because I never viewed myself as disabled. Yeah. And um, I was like, all right, it's cool. I don't have to like, I don't have to really worry about my cerebral palsy acting up. I can just kind of let it go. If something happens, it, it's part of the character.
0: Yeah. Um. So not so long ago on, uh, uh on our Twitter, we had like a huge kind of, discussion with lots of people uh, uh in the in in the disabled community uh, as it were um and we would a lot of talk about representation like on television and film etc etc and a lot of the responses we had were about breaking bad and uh, um how it how it you, there was a character with a disability but there was very little reference actually to the fact that uh what well, Junior had a disability at all. He was just living his life as, yeah. um, uh, just as a, as a person, like as, as, as they do live. And it's not something they <laughs> <laughs> often see, um, on, in any kind of media, really. Um, and Junior, did, was that something that happened kind of organically, do you know? Or, um,
1: I, I think it was, yeah, I think it was organic. I think it was also, um, I think it was also in thought of the writers. They they didn't want they wanted a real family. They didn't want some cookie cutter TV family. They wanted they wanted honesty and, and they wanted realism. And that's what I feel that like Vince and the writing the writer team that we had really was able to to pull out. And for my character, my character is actually a Walt Junior based on a real person. Oh wow! Uh, a friend of Vince's, Vince, in college who who um sometime after passed, yeah. so i think with my character being based and grounded in, in actuality and reality uh, i think that really helped with the realism of of this kid who happened to have cerebral palsy but really just a 14 year old kid trying to like have a life and put into a situation that really was astonishing
0: yeah uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, the other response uh, we had quite a re- uh, good, uh, quite a big response from people with uh, disabilities who are, who are actors and saying that's what they want. That's what they want to be able to play. Is just some some. Um, there was an exact quote from someone that said, "We would be happy just being someone who's working in a shop that appears for like two seconds, just having yeah. um, what people would perceive as like a, a normal life, as it were." Um, and um, it was quite uh, incredible. Like we, it, a lot of a lot of people agreed on that. And then we were trying to think of um, places where we'd seen that before, and there were very little. Do you feel like that that's changing, or
1: I feel like it's a fine line. I feel like I I, and I agree with the guy that made that statement. Like that's that's the overall goal is to just have the normality of disability in film and television, not the highlight or the spotlight of that film Mm -hmm. surrounding disability you know there's there's these these moments where you see disabled characters but the whole plot of them is their disability yeah there's no actual there's no actual plot to them themselves it's all circulating their their environment or their disability and i feel like we are growing towards that but right now because everyone's so heated. And everyone's like, represent me, represent me, represent yeah. me. I feel like as long as we have the, the ideal of you must represent me and highlight my characters or highlight my disability or diversity or whatever it may be, I feel like it limits that opportunity for normality, for that normacy of where you can just see a character. You can just see a disabled character. You can just see a character from the LGBT. You can just see characters of color like it's not it's not a highlight on oh this is a disabled film yeah this is just this is just a film and one of the characters or the lead character happens to have a disability and I think that mentality is growing but I mean I've been working as an advocate now like as a professional advocate for probably close to 10 years now And the leaps and strides I've seen towards that goal are great. But we have to maintain the mindset that we have now and cultivate that mindset and changing the, percep- the perspective of, of we were flatlined, now we're here, yep. now we're bottomed out, now we're back up top. Now, where do we, where do we balance that? How do we, how do we find the normality in diversity? How do we show people that have never really experienced diversity that normality? And I think that's going to take time. And I've seen great strides And you know, the UK. And I had the pleasure to work with Channel 4. And I, I was a correspondent and host of the Paralympics. I did the Island with Bear Grylls. Um, I mean, I, I, love, I loved what, what the mentality is and kind of how British television has really shaped disability in England uh, with with the normality of, of disability or the normality of race or whatever it may be, because that's what we are. Yeah. And I, I think when it comes down to the evolution of that in the States and in like Mexico and Canada and all these other markets around the world, it's evolving and it's growing and it's just time. Yeah. It's just... It, it, it's not... The issue is, is the people that know that we need this are getting fed up being patient, yeah. and I think the people that don't know that we need this don't even know that we need this. Yeah. So I, I think it's finding the normality of of what is what is a happy medium and what is honesty and accurate representation in the community. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, and.
1: and do you have, yeah, my thought is just like it's
0: a lie. Is <laughs> um, <laughs> there like how how do you think? I know it's a big question, but how do you think that message can be uh, made to the people who are making all of the films and the television, and all the different things there are now? YouTube, everything. How how can a message be sent to them saying this is what we would like? Um, And how do you think it's going to change eventually? And do do you think, is there anything that could... um... I mean,
1: how do you change a mindset? Yeah, that's exactly... That's that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to affect is how do we change a mindset? How do we change that belief system? What, what, What can we get to the people that... That really have a lot of power, that have the financial backing, that have the finan the the stability of the positioning to make the maneuver to really combat this type of 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 not really combat but alter this type of thinking. And that's a hard question because it's taken this far to get here. And I think with with the mindsets of, of, of what's happening in our society, of, of where we are with our, our presidents and our politicians and kind of where we're at. We're, we're seeing more of tolerance and intolerance, this this crazy explosion of both. And I think that's one way to get to them is continuing, continuing that volatility of information and time. I mean, it gets down to... It takes time to change a belief system. Yeah. And as much as we would like to have it happen overnight, you know that saying Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. And and um and, and that mentality of, of evolution if we want to have it accurately, they have to come to the conclusion on the, their own. We can't we don't want to just hand them the keys. We're not going to just hand a kid the keys to a Ferrari and say en- enjoy your ride. We're gonna we're gonna teach the kid how to drive we're gonna we're gonna show him okay this is this is what works and this is what doesn't work for your car this is what we this is this is how you get it moving these are all these parts that, that make it safe and that make it where it works and runs properly and I think right now in our society we, we just threw the keys to this maserati to this kid and just are like, Good luck. See you on the other side. Have a great time. Have a great time, and hey, don't wreck it. Don't, <laughs> like, that's kind of where we're at, because there's so much information on, on diversities. And when I say diversities, I don't just mean disability, but I mean diversities across the board. Yeah. There's there's so much out there that, that's going, 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 going. But at the end of the day, what is it doing? Is it is it accurate representation? Does it represent? It, it, it yes, it represents some form of group, but does it really? Could could everyone get behind it and say, yes, this is this is our representation. This is how this is an accurate portrayal. Yeah, I, I feel that we don't, and I think what made Breaking Bad special is we kind of had that commonality. We kind of had that where everyone in the disabled world was going like, okay, yeah, that's that's kind of a great representation of how I feel and kind of how I live my life and you know it's not just doctor visits and physical therapy it's it's our it overcoming your adversity it's mm-hmm. it's having families having sisters having moms and dads and, and wives and and like being part of society and I think that representation is what we need
0: yeah it's quite a like it's an odd kind of exciting feeling as well so say for example um I have dyspraxia, uh, and not that I actually—I don't actually watch Doctor Who. But in the new Doctor Who, one of the characters is dyspraxia, and I got so excited just to hear that there's going to be a character on it. Because most people, if you mention dyspraxia, they don't know what that is. And the fact it's on Doctor Who is is like—it's a very exciting feeling. It's just like, oh, that's that's someone who has the does what I do, Um, and lots of people are seeing it. Yeah.
1: No, and, and that's the point, though. That's, that and that's, you know, Doctor Who has been around for such a long time. They 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 know how to make an episode. They know how to to ground their characters in that that world, and that's when you add a character with with that type of of embodiment with that with that because it, it's part of your personality. It's who makes you you, and it, it, it's those challenges. So when you are able to see it and feel that you are represented accurately, it, it is that excitement, it is what you feel, because that's, that, that's initially the goal of television. The the original goal of, of, indig- well, of these arts was to make you feel things that you cannot feel on your own, mm-hmm. make you see people who you want to be or, or who you are see so these representations and how you how you go oh my god i want it's like superman it's like uh, who what kid did not want to be superman yeah. or superhero it it's this like empowerment but it only works if it's accurately represented yeah and i feel that when you when you when you have the ability to do that why why not
0: um you mentioned uh, I didn't actually realize you were thirteen when you started on that.
1: that yeah, seemed, that
0: seems insane to me. Um, so that's quite a young age. Do you, to do you feel like any pressure at all um, in being a representative, um, or were you just like, "Hey, I'm doing a really cool thing, not thinking about it."
1: Um, you know, I I for the most part always had. Greater goals. Um, I've always understood the importance of avo- advocacy in philanthropic industries and kind of the need for community outreach. Um, so when I was given the opportunity to speak and give lectures and and have a conversation, it wasn't really to me. It wasn't a, a like a burden or like a responsibility. It was more or less an opportunity to really help empower individuals and kind of elevate individuals to the next level. And I think that's what we need more of is when just kind of stepping on each other's heads and trying to get above versus lifting someone up. Yeah. And I mean, I think I think that's what I felt at the time in my industry was needed was that, that elevation, that, that lift to put people not just... Not above myself but but give them that extra lift. Allow allow them to 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 be on the same playing field. To to allow us all to be equal have that equality, have that ability that, that I was given because a lot of people weren't or are not given the opportunities that I was given or had the ability to see what I saw. And I think that it's so important that with a society where everything is so self aware or perceived so self aware or we have access to technology or we have all this information but what is what actually worked yeah. what what is working what what didn't what what can we do to elevate people and and that's kind of when i I really get motivated to kind of just push forward on that and I like to see people succeed yeah, I like yeah. to see people do better than I do and and are better and that become better than me and, and that's something that we we need and that's what we hope for the next generation. That they leave it better than we did. Wow.
0: <laughs> that blew me away. Uh, <laughs> um so uh, speaking, you said, so you, you've been able to go and to, to speak. You even had, I, in my research, I saw that you, uh, had a, you spoke at the Oxford Union. I, I'm, I'm, I, ba- I live did. in Oxford. I'm based in Oxford. So oh, that was really cool. I, was <laughs>
1: like, I had no idea. Great, great town, man. Oxford's a great town. It's great. It's, I, it's beautiful. But it's, no, I did. I, I spoke at the union and it was, it was amazing. I mean, you don't really get much bigger than that. <laughs> um, uh. And I'm just wondering,
0: what when you were there and you were speaking to everyone, so what was going through your mind? Were you thinking, okay, I've got this platform here. There's a good chance a lot of people here to hear me talk because they may be fans of Breaking Bad. Um, Do you feel like there's like? Uh, something holding you possibly back from talk about disabilities because you may be like ah they some these people are here maybe here to hear fun stories from that or do you do you just just go for it I just go
1: for it man yeah I mean I just it's just just a hope and a prayer I and like I'm I'm pretty good at winging it (laughs) Um, you know for me my for me my speeches and my lectures are a little bit different than the average lecture. Um, I I try to engage with every individual audience member at yeah. some level, which sometimes it doesn't make sense with my my <laughs> lecture, sadly. Like, it, it, not everyone's going to understand it or not everyone's going to register it. But at some point, you will register one thing from my lecture or one thing from my conversation. And I... I I was really honored to to be because you know o- Oxford Union is just such a well renowned school and 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 a re- well renowned um um facility just so high regarded that I was kind of like all right don't mess this up <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh and I, I you know I try to just be what i what I am what I'm trying to do I wasn't I wasn't trying to be formulaic, and I, and I don't try to be formulaic. I tried to just be, and having the conversation was was great. And we talked about diversity and disability and triumphs and falls and and kind of the the evolution of of life yeah. of of in in this instance, it's my life, but that evolution of it, and and kind of the importance of diversity and disability in our community, and kind of where we could do to have our impact in that, and stepping out of a realm of comfort is key. And I think for me, having that, the opportunity to speak to them, it it was just more or less, all right, this is my room. This is my conversation. And then just kind of just finding that fluidity. Yeah. In that conversation.
0: Brilliant. Um, Oh, let me check my notes one moment. Um, (laughs) Do. Oh, so I also saw that you have also you were also involved in a modelling campaign uh, I for Gap. Um, I don't think that actually kind of reached over here, but there have been multiple um, uh, shot like retailers uh, in the UK at the moment have actually started doing more kind of uh, having more models uh, with disabilities, etc. Is that uh, something that's happening? over in America as well? Is this, um, do you feel like this is something that is actually on the rise? Yeah,
1: no, I, um, yeah, so I, I had the honor to walk in Westwood, um, in a runway show for her, which that whole team is amazing. Um, and then I also had the pleasure of doing a Kenneth Cole campaign and a Gap campaign here in the States. And, you know, I, I do see a elevation of accessible fashion, accessible mm-hmm. – and, and with that being said, when I say accessible fashion, I don't just mean for people with disabilities. I mean people across the board. Yeah. And I, I do see a growth in the fashion industry on di- disability and in and, and diversity in how they make – their clothes, how they make them buttons, how can they, they make them adaptive, or how can they make them more functionable? And I think it's been about time that we had that, because, you know, adaptability and functionability and, and kind of accessibility, you know, you hear these words when you are – di- when you have a disability yeah. or when you are a diversity, when you, when you have these things. Those are the words that kind of get highlighted. In your in your world. And you know I, I find that it's kind of sad that those words do not branch out into the normal or no, the community on a global level, not just on a diversity level. yeah because you know we all have a diversity. We all have a disability. but when we these, these things, these these adaptive clothing, these adaptive buildings are all these things that, that we are trying to make, accessible are not just for people with disabilities we i'm hoping that we can change the mindset to show people that these are not just for people with disabilities these are for the everyday person that may need to get their clothes on quicker that may just want it's not about just basic adaptive clothing it's about high fashion it's about good clothing that is accessible for everyone And I was lucky enough to be a part of a keynote for an organization called Runway of Dreams. Uh, We just had it at New York Fashion Week. I was one of the keynote speakers. It was a fundraiser and a runway, and they raised over $100,000. And um, Target and Nike and Zappos and um, Tommy Hilfiger. Uh, Tommy, Tommy Hilfiger actually dressed me, but they were all part of that. And you know seeing these massive companies because those are massive companies coming together and highlighting and supporting this event shows that there is a change that there is a growth and that it is is evolving to uh to that next step in commercialization which is not always a bad thing (laughs) uh it, it it does have it does have a point when you're trying to get to the mass market and mass media. And I do see a growth in, uh, in accessibility. And I'm very happy to see that, that they are making some amazing strides. I mean, we have a long way to go. I think it gets down to changing the mindset of adaptive clothing or adaptive, anything adaptive. Yeah. Anything that you may may view as like, oh, I won't, I won't ever use that. You will use that at one point in your life. You will need someone to help you with your clothes. Yeah. You will probably be pushed in a wheelchair. You'll, and, and not just because you're old, not just because of of age, because you break something, yeah, or you exactly. you have a cast on. So I, I feel that we are making strides, and that the industry has changed. I see a massive push of disabled models and diversity models in, in this realm. And I'm so happy that that I see it. I, I, I'm, I'm like, I just, it's really amazing to see the evolution of where I would go on all these calls or I would go on, like, I would go do, go to these runway shows. And I would, I, I did that for quite a while. I, I kind of dove into fashion for like four years. Um, in the UK, Germany, France, um, Spain, New York, like, I, I did every fashion week, every every show that I could possibly do, running around the world doing them. I see something completely different now. Yeah. I would never see someone with a disability. I'd never see someone with a wheelchair in some of these shows. And luckily, I, I do now. And I see the elevation of of highlighting or showing fashion-forward thinking, fashion icons in the future of when you were a kid with a disability and you were like, Oh my god, there's a model in a wheelchair. You would never saw a model yeah. in a wheelchair like five years ago. And and that's, and now I I I I only see models in wheelchairs yeah. pretty much. Like it's it's this amazing thing of like I just you it's just so so much now. And now I think it's time we've gathered all the materials, we've gathered all the ore, now it's time to, to make this, this sword and to get our, and to get our point yeah. and, to really, and to really be able to utilize it. And I think that's where we're growing to is a this, this market of diversity, this market of accessibility is getting to a point where now it's time to finite it. It's time to really harness that, this, this movement and these groups and not in volatility, and not in malice or you don't represent me, but as a commonality of this is what the people want, this is what people are looking for. And I think it takes time, and I think it takes, takes those, those baby steps that we have been taking, but I see amazing leaps and bounds. Yeah.
0: It's, it is insane, like, if you think about just how long it has taken. Like, people with disabilities have always been around, and it's, you know, it's the year twenty eighteen, and things like this are it's just starting to get in motion. It just blows my mind a little bit to think why, why is it taking this long? What has, what has
1: caused well, I, such a?
0: I don't know. I it's think odd. I think a
1: lot of it has to do with people are so caught up in not being represented that they couldn't represent themselves. Mm. Um, we love, absolutely love.
0: So um, one of our the, self-advocacy groups uh like a big thing we we've often talked about on the podcast and uh we we spoke to a a oxford-based one called my life my choice and just the huge difference that they could make compared to just say i don't know a local counselor or whatever uh but those guys being able to come in and tell them exactly um what it is they they need or want or whatever and relay it from their point of view is incredible and i think that is it like what we've often said is that is definitely the way forward it is really self-advocacy and but it just needs you know to be broadcast on like
1: a huge scale so well, it, yeah it's, it's one of those things that like how being a self-advocate it's like the people that have the ability to do that don't always want to do that because it's for themselves. <laughs> like, a, like a lot of it has to do with like a lot of people that that can make great strides are for the most part they're not selfish. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not trying to underhandedly or or grow off of anything. And the people that that do do really well. So it's it's kind of this. This thing of like, all right, we, where where do we have to draw the line? And being that self advocate, taking that extra step to be like, hey, I want to be represented, and not in a way where it diminishes your value. Because if I if I if I'm talking to you like this, <laughs> are you really listening? Yeah. But if we talk like this, and I say I want to be represented, I want I want this highlight, I want. I, I want I want to see better. You can get that, but when people are speaking through riots and 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 just kind of loud, it turns people off. Yeah. It, it's they, 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 they your your Twizza. brain put yeah, like it just it just like puts you on the dimmer and they just mute you yeah. <laughs> or block you. And we don't want that. We want we want people to accept that. We want people to accept you. And you want to be accepted. So if you want that, there's ways to do that, but hostility is not one of them. And I think the people that are very passionate about this these movements can come across hostile. And as much as they're they're trying to do good, I think we really where was that borderline of where can we go before we go too far? Yeah. And when I say go too far, I mean just in the sense of push. Yeah. Push, 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 push. I mean, we keep pushing them. We're gonna push them off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or they're gonna, or, or they're gonna one day push us back, and we're going, we're going off, off the, the cliff. cliff. Yeah. So right. I, I think there's a, I think there's a finite to what that is, and like what, what we have in our society. Because you hear riots, you hear people screaming their voices, and and that's something that like I, I hear, I hear them, I see them, I know their fight, I know their anguish. But the people up here, it's it's they they hear something. <laughs> it's, like, it's like what what's that? it's, like, it's, it's yeah. and that's that's what we have to evolve. It's that mentality.
0: Yeah, definitely. You've you've hit so many nails on the head it's been i've you've, I've, you've almost left me speechless it's quite impressive <laughs> uh, um um so I, I don't know how to put this so i'm very curious uh like about what the similar potential uh differences in some um in some struggles that people with disabilities have like in comparison from the US to the UK Uh, so I'm just trying to think of some issues uh, that I've had guests on and we've talked about etc so one thing uh, I'm curious about is so there's a huge campaign going on here at the moment uh, in uh, revolving around accessible toilets and if you speak to most people like, uh, in the public and you talk about, say, an accessible toilet, they're just thinking, oh, just a toilet with a handrail. But uh, there's a big campaign going on for something called changing places, which is basically those who may need to uh, lie down and like, have their cha- clothes changed. They are very rare. And so a lot of people will end up having to lie down on the toilet floor, which is gross. Um, And I'm just wondering, is there is there a similar thing that goes on in America? Obviously, it's a huge place, so it's hard to say. And I know, like, uh, no,
1: it's this. We we're all combating the same fight. We're all we're all we really are. And I think the one thing with the UK is is how they view disability and diversity. I think that they're very forward thinking. And, you know, but, but, hey, man, y'all, y'all Brits, <laughs> y'all, y'all overthink some things. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I think, I think there is, there is a lot of movement and there is a lot of things and, you know, accessibility for that is crucial because, you know, in, in some situations you may do need, you may need that. And I think finding that middle ground of where, someone that needs that type of that type of um facility yeah should have the right to have that type of facility but certain certain codes and ethics and building don't always allow that and yeah. they don't have that, that permit and i think it's i it's so easy to make all these assumptions and try to say oh this would work or this doesn't work but if we had these answers that easily we, they would are, they would all be done. yeah. And I feel that with the movements, people are now hearing the issues more and more, and it's it's getting to the right thing of, of where can we make that accessible? and how can we how can we how can we um, get people out and see the world and not just be stuck in in their room or stuck in their their chair. How can we how can we get them moving? How can we show them the world? And I think it's finding that fine line of of slowly integra- integrating these types of policies into everyday life yeah. and everyday systems. And you know it, it's hard to tell a building be like, yo, you need to cut out this much space for people to be able to lie down and change, and you're gonna have some money gotta go what no or we can figure out ways to to make that adaptive yeah I think I think there's I think there's more than just changing toilets to make to make it, it fair I think it goes I think it goes back to the treatments of patients I think it goes to the to to how we handle disability and how we handle diversities and and you know it, it's the whole the gender with toilets yeah like as much as as much as that was such a big issue where is that now like what we need to continue to raise the fights and have these these conversations on on kind of where where can we solidify ourselves in making things accessible making people feel comfortable in an everyday society and i think that is extremely difficult 'Cause at some level someone has an expectation. Yeah. And I think it takes time and you cannot always expect these these companies to just jump for you because they don't. They don't do it. They they don't not they're not doing it because you're disabled, they're not doing it because they don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's kinda of the the mentality we also have to look into going to this. But still wanting to have that accessibility, to be able to, to, to go to a bathroom. And I think there are ways to make that happen. I mean, I wish I could give you like, I wish I could give you a solution on like, how can we make everything accessible? How can we, how can we do this? But there really isn't a necessarily right or wrong answer at this point in time. I think it's, it's taking the strides and finding Your community that you live in, and going, hey, can y'all? How can you, as a town, help me live my best life? And it can start with small towns like Oxford. It can start with small towns in the states. It can start with small villages, and, and and expand. But there's no trial yet. There hasn't been really any major trials in how can we. How can we show a town? How can we highlight towns? How can we highlight and then implement that into the London, into the New York, into the Germany's and France's and the big cities that, that we have? I think we have to start smaller than just start going around London saying you have to change your bathroom or you have to change your hallways. As much as they should and they can, we have to show why yeah why why would they care and that's and that's i think something that's so crucial in our society is that we're showing why but we have to show it in a way where people understand it yeah and and people don't want to cater to a lot of times people don't want to cater to the minority and then i've got one person that that needs to lay down on the bathroom floor. That one person that's trying to get to whatever they're trying to get to, or whatever it may be. You know, I, I have a lot of friends who who can't um, use use the lavatory without help. And yeah. and um, you know what's funny is, as much as hard as it is for them, and sometimes so degrading, they still will they still will get past it. Yeah. And they still have that resilience. Now how can we make it better? And that's I think showing people like they will live their life and they will do what is necessary to be out there, but you're not making it easy for them. And I and that's and that's not always bad, but I think now in, in the time that we live in with all the accessibility, all the Intelligence and information and equipment and knowledge that we have, our information is so spread out and it's so across the board, we cannot even comprehend one thing.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, uh, thank you so much.
0: Um, I know you've you've probably got a busy day ahead, so uh, uh, yeah. No. Worries. Uh, it's been a real honour. I was very surprised actually. I never thought I'd be able to talk to you, and it
1: was amazing. So thank you so All much. Right. No, That's pleasure's on mine, man. You know how to find me if you have any more questions. I do.
0: Sorry, couldn't uh, couldn't help myself. Uh yeah so huge thanks to RJ for chatting with me and being so uh just genuinely nice um and a huge thanks to everyone involved in organizing it uh it was a wonderful uh opportunity and I felt very honored that uh that uh, he'd be willing to make the time to talk about uh some of the issues that we did um so you can follow us on Twitter at challengingpod I'm at Wasps Kill Bears, the story behind that. And uh, you can give us an email at uh, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, on the old iTunes, give us the old like, subscribe, uh, review. Um, tell your grandparents about me and list some of my redeeming qualities. And, um, so yeah, and I need to also give a huge thanks to, uh, so I recently went to the London podcast festival and just got chatted to, um, chatting to someone and he was recently, he recently wrote a book and he, um, which involved him getting in touch with lots of different people cause he was interviewing them. Uh, and he kind of showed me the way in like, um, how I can get in touch with different people. And we definitely wouldn't have, um, been able to uh, be into, like have, have had the today's episode if it weren't for his input and him being very supportive. But I did, even though we only met like a couple of times and just have very shared interest in some films and podcasts. Uh, his name is Timon. Timon? Timon. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong. Timon uh, Singh. And his book is called Born to Be Bad. It's really cool. And he interviews lots of people who played villains, and particularly in like 80s action films, not really podcast related. But um, I just feel like, uh, as a thank you, I should give him a little plug. So yeah, thank you, Timon. Um, very much appreciated. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back in November. Who knows who we're with? Uh, got a few few people in the pipeline, and hope that my first uh, solo outing with no co-hosts has not been too awful. Though for a good chunk of it, I haven't actually spoken, which is probably for the best. Um Oh Say something cool, Tom <laughs>